Hello and welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast of Speaking for Him. My name is Andrew Gamison and I'm privileged to be your host. Today we will be covering news for the week of June 19th. So glad to have you aboard. If you have listened to the first couple episodes, please make sure that you leave your feedback and let me know what you think. This is a brand new experiment for me, so I really want to know how I can make it better if possible. Maybe there's an area of news that you would like me to cover or a specific news story that you would like me to discuss on a future episode. You can always email those to Andrew at speaking for him.com. That's Andrew at speaking the number for him.com. You can also leave a voicemail on my blog at speaking for him.blogspot.com. That contact information will be repeated at the end of the show. So don't worry if you missed it the first time, but I would love to have your feedback on either this new show or my regular podcast, which still comes to you every Wednesday. So let's dig in to the news. Today, we start with a startling, if not surprising, comment from President Joe Biden. Biden drawing scrutiny from parents for trying to claim all of America's children. These are our kids. These are our neighbors. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. And it's not the first time the White House has tried to uh, arrange a co-parenting arrangement with parents. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. We're thinking about someone else's children, too. When you see our kids, and I truly believe that they are our children. These are our kids. They belong to all of us. There's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. Elon Musk warning the Biden administration to back off. Back up, bucko, tweeting, you are the government. You are not, they are not your kids. Join us now from Duck Family Treasure on Fox Nation, Nation, Jace and Jeff Robertson. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us on the bottom line. Welcome. Jace, so um, I think this is very Marxist. I mean, the fact that you have a government that says the kids belong to them as opposed to kids to be raised and reared and um, developed by their parents. I mean, that was shocking to watch. I need to watch the news more, I guess. Uh, I can't believe you made that statement. But, I mean, I think the problem is, is just when you're here and you look around, you're very fortunate just to be born. And all of a sudden, they're taking control, and the policies that they're representing do not line up with, you know, people of faith and just common sense values. So They don't. Jeff. I always ask, I listen to that and go, do they know what they're saying? They must. But folks from where we come from, you say something like that, and it's like, get the hell out of here. My dad always said, and it's a good point, he said, when nonsense begins to make sense, that's when you got a problem. (laughs) When I hear stuff like that, I'm like, that's just nonsense. Your kids, they ain't your kids. What are you talking about? 
And I think you make a, a good uh, point in that you look at what values the Biden administration espouses, whether it's critical race theory, ESG, global warming. They want to transition kids with, you know, life-altering drugs that will truly affect their ability to reproduce and their bone density and their uh, and their psyche. I don't want Joe Biden anywhere near my kids. This is the exact wrong thing that I want for my family and my children. I stay as far away as possible. Well, it's a breakdown of the family. I mean, parenting starts in the house. And I think our biggest problem is people don't want to say no. I mean, you know, we're teenagers. Uh, you know, I had a lot of crazy ideas, especially going through puberty and all. My parents were like, no. <laughs> but now that just seems like something that no one wants to say. And people are looking to themselves and whatever crazy idea they have and then are saying, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. No. True happiness has to have some sort of restraint. There, there are people who are wiser. Uh, you know, we get our morals from the Bible, and it leads us to say, no, we're not doing that. And so I don't want the government for sure just saying yes to everything, and you, you see what happens. Okay, so I have a lot to say on this topic, as you might imagine, but let's start where every discussion like this should start, with the Bible and what the Bible says about children. In Psalm 127, 3-5, we read, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. This is a clear indication that children are a blessing from God to families. We've talked ad nauseum on speaking for him about the fact that God has a structure for the family. And he established the family as a foundational touchstone for all of society. Because from family comes community, from community comes towns, from towns comes states, from states comes the country, but the foundation is the family. When the founding fathers came to America, they came in pursuit of liberty for their families. First of all, for religious liberty, so that they could worship the way they wanted to and not be governed by the Church of England. That was the pilgrims when they came. Secondly, the, the colonists wanted freedom from the dictates of the King of England. They said, we escaped England to have our freedom, and you never gave us our freedom. We've been independent colonies for years, and yet you want to tax us like crazy and make us do things that we do not want to do. And the whole idea of liberty was based in personal responsibility. The idea of the government having control of your children is a very communist idea. There's no room for individual liberty in this way of thinking. And it's totally against what the Bible teaches. I just preached yesterday a Father's Day sermon where I praised my father for taking the lead in teaching me to be a man of God in leading and guiding our family. 
that is what the Bible says. Uh, we are supposed to obey our parents and the Lord as children, and they are not to provoke us to wrath, but to bring us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those are the responsibilities of parents and children. We have lost that. And the government couches this, these are all our children, argument as a way to give children, quote-unquote, more control over their lives. Children who can't decide what to eat each day are now being told that they can decide whether they are a man or a woman. We must realize here and now that is that it is the responsibility of the government not to take control of the children, but to give parents the liberty with which to protect and guide their own children. Our whole legal structure in America is predicated on the fact that we will have the responsibility to live an ethical and moral and godly life within the confines of our nation. Even in the scriptures, we find that we are to stand fast in the liberty which we have been given, but not use liberty as an occasion to serve self, but by love serve one another. We need to make sure that we are looking at authority structures the way that they need to be examined, and those authority structures go as follows. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And then the children fall in place underneath their parents' authority. That is the way that God ordained society to be run. Are there times when that authority structure is abused? Yes. Because there are imperfect people everywhere we go. But this is the way to run a successful society. Because right now, what we have in our society at large is a group of people who are being told to live their truth and to do whatever feels good and to not worry about how it affects other people. We have this mistaken idea that we live in some sort of bubble and that nothing we do affects those around us, which could not be further from the truth. So no, Joe Biden, they are not your kids. They are each individual family's kids. And each individual family is responsible for taking care of them. In Proverbs 31, we read these words, Her children arise and call her blessed. It doesn't say the community's children It says her children. We need to be aware of this. And we need to make sure that we don't allow this ideology to permeate the church. Now, does that mean we shouldn't be around to help others with their families? Absolutely not. A little uh, behind-the-scenes fact here. One of my early visions for my ministry is that I could potentially 
particularly after I married, start an organization whose sole purpose would be to match women up with people that could help them in their daily tasks. Our society is very strained right now because we've convinced women that they have to work outside the home to have dignity and a purpose. And the reason that I say this is so messed up is because then when we have young at-home moms, they have no one to reach out to for help because everyone they would reach out to for help is working. So I had a vision at one point, and it's not a dead vision. I would still like to see it become a reality. But to have a service where I could match up those who are available to help with young moms who need it so that they are able to thrive in the calling that they have been given. But the ultimate authority for our children, even in those structures, again, falls to the individual families. Even within our extended family, my parents are there to guide and give advice as sought and asked for, but they don't spend a lot of time telling my married siblings what to do because they know that my married siblings have a responsibility before God for their own families. And that is the way that God intended it. As part of my sermon yesterday, I talked about how in Deuteronomy, God tells fathers to talk of God's goodness when you stand in place, when you walk throughout your day, when you lay down, when you sit, whatever position or whatever activity you're engaging in today, it is your responsibility to pass on God's wisdom to your children. This is not, again, a collective community responsibility. It is an individual responsibility of the parents. Allow me to reiterate, that does not mean that we can't step up around the parents and support them. But our job is to do just that, to support them, not to supplant them. And it is very clear from the way this message is being delivered by certain parties in the liberal left that supplanting is exactly what they want to do. Several months back, it might even be a couple years because I think this was during the lockdown or maybe even as things were starting to open up but people were still doing things online. I don't remember the exact timing, but I did a podcast called Dangerous Parents and it was inspired by the fact that there was a teacher who was teaching kids online because of the lockdowns, because of COVID, and he was concerned about parents eavesdropping on what he was telling the kids because he didn't want the kids to feel uncomfortable with their parents listening. That was the excuse he gave. But the vibe that you get from the story is, I don't want parents to find out what I'm teaching. Once again, as I have said many times from this microphone, whatever way you decide to educate your children, 
You need to realize that it is your primary responsibility to raise your children. You will give an account for how you raise them, and so you need to be involved in the process, whatever method you decide. But we have these entities, whether it be the educational entities or the governmental agent entities, who are more than willing to pick up the slack. I'll close with this. When I wrote my book, Men of Valor, several years ago, one of my main points in writing it was to point out the fact that the government is willing to take up any slack that we leave in familiar responsibility. We have so many government programs that on the surface are intended to help families, single mothers, people with disabilities, widows, things of that nature. And the Bible tells us that the most religious thing we can do, true and undefiled religion, is this, to visit the orphans and the widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so it has long been my contention that at least 50% of the government exists because the church has dropped the ball. Because where the church has had a deficiency, the government sees that and says, here, let me pick up the ball and help you with this. But there are always prices to pay and consequences to the decision to allow the government that kind of control and leverage in your life. The next story that I want to talk to you about is one which I believe is out of Massachusetts dealing with a middle school Pride Day protest. These displays of intolerance and homophobia are unacceptable. This type of intolerant rhetoric starts in the home. Parents angry at town hall over intolerance at Marshall Simons Middle School. Kids were asked to wear rainbow clothes in honor of Pride Spirit Day. But some organized a counter-protest wearing red, white, and blue or black. The principal sharing a statement to families that Pride posters were ripped down, stickers ripped up, some students chanted, USA are my pronouns, and students showing Pride were intimidated. It was an un really disruption, in fact, that was organized ahead of time. While some parents were upset, others say it was overblown. Some of the kids threw the stickers on the ground. But, you know, I can only speak for my daughter. She just, she didn't want to wear that to school. It's not that she wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. She says her daughter felt coerced to participate in the Pride event and was offended by some of the messages, like this quote from Tennessee Williams. Human heart cannot be straight. It is curves and winds. And my daughter just kind of said, you know, Mom, that's... That's offensive to to me, who I am straight. But even parents like her, opposed to the Pride Month celebration, say the ripping of posters was wrong. I think destructing any property is wrong. I think, you know... I just think that was wrong. Parents and community groups now calling for the town and school board to act and support diversity, equity, and inclusion. The incident sparking discussion at home on both sides. My thing that I teach my kids is just be kind, and I wish the schools would just kind of pump the brakes on what they're shoving down these kids' throats. The issue of pride in schools is very controversial. I understand that. I think we need to start at a place of commonality. 
Now, the principal says that no one was forced to participate in the Pride Day event, but now parents on both sides want dialogue. So this actually comes from a town in Massachusetts called Burlington, Massachusetts, and it was from Marshall Simons Middle School. So here are my thoughts on this story. First of all, I want to commend the students of Marshall Simons for standing up for what they thought is right. I think it's really neat to see people standing up against the woke culture and saying, just because you think this is a good thing doesn't mean I have to agree with it or be comfortable with it. So I was very grateful that they did that. I think it says a lot about their upbringing that they were able to make that bold of a stance as middle schoolers. But on the flip side, I will say that I agreed with the mother who we just heard in this piece who said that it was unacceptable for these kids to tear down pride posters and other pride mementos as a part of their protest. And I agree. You don't win points for your cause by being disrespectful to another. I don't think that it's right to have the destruction of property be a part of your protest. I think the way that you protest is you say, I am not going to participate in this. I think them wearing red, white, and blue uh, it was a good thing, and perhaps even saying red, white, and blue are my pronouns just because this pronoun thing has gotten out of hand. I think those are good things. But you're never going to convince somebody that you are for them by destroying something that they hold dear. And so I'm against the destruction, but I'm so grateful that these young people stood for truth. As I said as part of the first story, we are living in a culture where everybody says, it's my truth. You can't argue with my truth. But the fact of the matter is that truth is a definite thing and that our society is suffering from the chaos that results when you arbitrarily decide that truth is not definite. The thing is that our society has thrived in the past here in America because it is grounded on the definite truth of the Bible. People bristle when we say that, but it is true. And the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And now we are in a place in our society where we see chaos erupting every day on the news. But people look everywhere but up for help. They want to find solutions everywhere but with God. And God says, I have the solution. And why does God have the solution for our problems? Because he made us. And he knows exactly what we need to survive and thrive. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So my prayer for this school would be that 
some would be positively affected by this protest, that these students that damaged property would apologize and take their consequences in a godly manner because it is right for them to be punished for destroying property because we need to show love. And often I think our protests of evil can come across as hateful. Now I would quickly caveat that with no matter how loving you are, some people are going to think that you're hateful because they don't don't like the truth. If you hate the truth, you're going to hate those who are purveyors of it. But I do think that oftentimes we think that we are being persecuted for the truth when actually we are simply being persecuted because we are being jerks. And so we need to understand the difference. Well, we're going to wrap up today with a positive story out of Oklahoma. I've been hearing a lot lately about Oklahoma's women's softball team and the fact that many of them are standing for the Lord Jesus. Dear Softball, I fell in love with you when I was a little girl, always carrying around my glove, throwing tennis balls off the wall, and hitting with my dad in the park. I played with the boys when there was no softball, and then finally switched over once recruiting started, and that's when it started to get serious. I hungered for competition and strived for excellence, but for a while, you were something that my hands had such a tight grip on. My identity was tied so tightly to a game that leads to failure almost all of the time, and I rode the roller coaster of emotions. Then I met Jesus. I learned I have a loving father who died for my sins and has a plan for my life, a plan to give me a hope and a future. My perspective changed when I realized you were just something I did, not who I was. Jesus tells me who I am, and I wanted to bring this light into the softball world and play the game differently. I was so blessed to have the opportunity to attend the best university in the country and play for the best program imaginable. Yes, winning a few national championships and winning some personal honors is amazing, and I will never take that for granted. But it is so much greater than what goes on on that dirt. First, I have met some of my best friends and my future husband at OU. Praise the Lord. But even more so, the Lord has given me a platform to shine a light that the world tries to dim. The expectation is to idolize you, and the promise is that true joy comes from reaching a goal that you have put all of your effort into. Yes, we as Christians are expected to work hard at all that we do for Christ, but the real victory has already been won on the cross, Jesus dying for my sin and saving me. Because of this, I have an eternal hope that allows me to play your game free with fullness of joy that comes only from the Lord. With this mindset, I have played the most joyful softball the last five years. What's crazy is that this joy doesn't come after big wins, home runs, championships, etc. Because all of those things will fade away. I am filled with a steadfast joy when I see one of my teammates decide to get baptized and become a sister in Christ. I will never forget worshiping with my teammates, singing the song Nobody in center field after winning the second national championship. God is so awesome. My prayer when I started college was that I could be a vessel that the Lord uses in his kingdom to bring others to know him. As I leave college softball, I pray that others can know how loved they are by the creator of the world and that Jesus can use you in mighty ways. You just need to be willing and obedient. I'll end with one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 28. 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sincerely, Grace Lyons. That was moving the first time I saw it, and it still moves me. I am so proud of Grace for her stand for Jesus, and I'm proud of the NCAA softball Facebook page for being willing to share that. It shows me some hope in this world. You know, we're always talking about cancel culture and secular institutions not being willing to let people stand for the truth or calling people out for standing for the truth. But this video uh, came from the NCAA softball page. And so I really do appreciate them for sharing it. And I appreciate Grace for being the epitome of her name, for showing grace and talking about the fact that even though softball is fun, that serving Jesus is so much more important. And it looks like something really special has happened for Oklahoma softball this year, and I'm super excited uh, to be able to share a little snippet of that with you. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed today's show. Uh, I hope that... uh, This has been encouraging to you as we seek to continue to shed some light on culture and to approach these issues with truth and grace. And if you are benefited by this show, please share it with your family and friends and please use it as a discussion starter to these important issues. Because I really do believe that a lot of times the quote-unquote controversial issues that we deal with in society don't get discussed, and that is a big part of our problem as a society is we just try to sweep them under the rug, go to our corners, and not try to understand one another. Even if you fundamentally, vehemently oppose someone on an issue for a very specific reason, like biblical morality, it's still important to understand the other side when you are dealing with them so that you can deal with them with love and with understanding. And again, even if you are dealing in that manner, some people will still hate you because love means telling people tough things. But I do think we can do better at being gentle as doves, which Jesus commanded us to do. That being said, I will simply tell you to make sure that you continue to pray for speaking for him, continue to listen to our content. I'm so grateful that you're here. Have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.